What the hell? What the hell? What the hell is up? What the- Hi, and welcome to this new experimental podcast of mine. My name is Claire, and I'm here to ask the tough questions of life, such as, what the hell is up with you, with me, with the world, with those crazy vegan YouTubers out there on the web? This podcast is a plight for me to be more honest and to put something out there that might be an encouragement to others. I'm keen on honesty and authenticity, yet I have somewhat learned to hide. So I hope that each podcast episode will allow me to get more comfortable in sharing out about my journey. Topics which will be addressed include my journey of mental health struggles, self-esteem and self-worth, sexuality, and a whole slew of other potentially relevant tidbits of my story. Thanks so very much for tuning in to listen. Grab some coffee or tea and think of this as the coffee shop date of your dreams. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. If you don't know, this is What the Hell is Up. My name is Claire. I use she, her pronouns, and I am a nurse and a passionate soul who loves to ask questions and wonder, what the hell is up with this thing that I'm struggling with, or what the hell is up with um, this this aspect of our culture, which is intriguing, but could be a little scary. I hope that you will find this podcast to be listenable, compassionate, honest, and um, and maybe comforting, at least interesting too. Today's podcast is all about what the hell is up with zero waste, what the hell is up with minimalism and van life, what are all these kooky things the millennials are doing these days, everybody? And I want to just welcome you into this podcast. It's a cozy October afternoon as I'm recording this snippet, and I'm hoping that you're able to relax into this episode with a cup of tea or coffee on your morning commute or whatever else, and that your autumn has been beautiful so far. So this episode will first feature a conversation I had with my best friend from nursing school, Marlena Bennett. She shares about her brave and bold experience living in her van for the summer and what this taught her about minimalism and mental health and privilege. Um, Later, I'm featuring Josephine Vermilia, who is a zero-waste consultant and YouTuber based in London. The music featured in this podcast is by Smythe, a electronic artist based in Portland, and I'm just so, so blessed to feature his amazing tunes. They're so funky, and I definitely recommend that you check them out. So, um, all right, let's dive in to hear about Marlena and I had to say. van life I things that taught me but you were about to tell me how long oh did you already say that I don't think I caught it on the oh (laughs) I did van life for two months I've been thinking about it since last December Mm -hmm. um and I think that um that's actually how Evan and I met but that's besides oh yeah he told me yeah 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 
This bread is really good. It's so fluffy. I'm so glad. <laughs> it's like so soft. Yeah, definitely an, an improvement. Can I, what is in it? Bread. <laughs> Wheat. Um, no, it's like flour and yeast and some sugar and salt. Mm. And that's it. That's so good. It's yeah, so it's so easy. Airy. Thanks. I love my bread. <laughs> it's the simple things in life, Claire. Truly. Mm-hmm. So you were in it for two months and um, like you ended up staying at other people's houses sometimes too. So yes. were those the days that you were just like, I cannot sleep in the van tonight? So the first two weeks of van life, I did not have great organization in my van. Like I had my uh, wood bed that I made, but it was way too tall. It was a lot taller than this and it was way too tall for my space. And so mm-hmm. all my stuff was on top of the bed and I was sleeping underneath and I didn't really have window coverings. And mm-hmm. so getting in and out of my van was not conducive. So luckily the first two weeks I, oh, also I was on night shift and oh. during the summer sleeping in my and car. Didn't have curtains? Day, I didn't have curtains and it was so hot that I could not sleep during the day. So luckily I cat sit for my friend for like a week and a half. Um, and then, and then I ended cat sitting and I was supposed to go back into my van, but I got severely dehydrated from a, an 11 hour bike ride. Oh no. Cause I biked to North Bend and I hiked Little Sai and then a bike back and I only had like two liters of water in an 11 hour day in 80 degree weather. So I got extremely dehydrated and I had to go to the ER to get rehydrated. Yeah. <laughs> so then I slept at Tim's for two days because I could not, cause I was peeing like every hour cause I was chugging water cause I was still really dehydrated. So I needed access to a bathroom. So luckily, Tim and Evan let me stay at their places for a couple nights. Good thing. So technically, I, I started van life maybe like two to three weeks into July. And my dad came and he helped me just really transform the space. Thanks, Pops. Um, yeah. So when I felt like I really could not do van life, I slept at Evan's. Yeah. Yeah, mostly. Like three nights a week, three or four nights a week. Mm. Yeah. But other nights, it was very adventurous. Like every day I would park, or every other day I would park in a new spot because I would need to move every three days. Oh. Every 72 hours. But um, other than that, you could park for that long? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So my two spots were um, a spot near SPU and then also a gravel lot near Evan's house. Um, I didn't change it up a lot because I still wanted a somewhat of a routine because mm-hmm. routine is important for my mental health. Um, yeah, and every couple days I would make a schedule for myself, like where I was going to park, um, when I was going to shower, like when I was going to grocery shop, and put produce in my works freezer or fridge. Oh, is that how you did that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, there was some planning that 
was involved in it. Like, I would shower at my work or vertical world. Okay. Um, there was a week that I didn't shower. Yeah. <laughs> it was, like, five days. <laughs> but were you, like... I don't want to shower if I'm doing van life. No, it was more like I'm lazy and yeah. I don't want to bike all the way to Vertical World. Mm. So it was more out of laziness. Yeah. So what was the best part about it? And wait, so also, how did you cook? I didn't cook. When I camped, I had a jet boiler. But that uses propane, so I couldn't really do that in the while stealth van living in the city. Mm-hmm. So I mostly ate soups and produce at work, and then I would kind of just eat as I went, got a meal at PCC or something, okay. or made dinner with a friend. Or... Gotcha. Yeah. I wish I could have hosted you. I should have hosted you for dinner. That's okay. No worries. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very well. No, it's okay. No, you're so good. <laughs> But, sorry, what was the best part? Oh, best part. Yeah. Um, I loved being a nomad. Like, I loved not really having any bills to pay. Of course. That's nice. And I loved that I could go on any adventure and have all my stuff already with me. Like, oh. I never needed to pack if I was going camping cause I was, or if I was going away for the weekend like mm-hmm. I always had all my stuff with me and I liked that um like I could go to trailheads and like sleep and then hike the next morning that's cool yeah it was just very convenient to have all my things with me it was conducive to my adventurous lifestyle this summer yeah um and it was it was fun the process before entering into van living I loved downsizing. I loved the challenge of getting rid of most of my belongings, like three-fourths of my belongings. Wow. Um, and downsize to, uh, to only what I needed. Like, that was a really necessary and, and uh, eye-opening process for me. Because mm-hmm. there was so much that I was just holding on to that I realized I didn't really need. And That's great. I only have, like six or seven items hanging up in my closet right now and like three three drawers or three like boxes full of like other things but other than that it's very minimal and I like that I think having less stuff um makes me less anxious and because there's less stuff to um less stuff and less space to take care of Mm-hmm. And so I felt like my summer opened up because I didn't, I wasn't like cleaning my house and I wasn't doing laundry all the time. And I, oh, yeah. I didn't feel like I, or I saved a lot of time because I didn't need to upkeep a space hmm. like my, that's my living room. Now that's what you like about. That. Now I like, now I realize like, I actually like that. <laughs> so, and it was fun. Like hammocking in a park because that was my living room just kind of living off the land (laughs) I don't know what was the worst part about it um hmm. 
not having a space where I could lounge, mm. I guess. I couldn't really stay in my car and chill. Because it was too stuffy? It was too or... stuffy and too small. Mm. So not really f- feeling like I belonged anywhere, mm. I guess. Like, I always felt like a hindrance if I went over to someone's house. Oh, okay. Or... Yeah, just... Yeah, not feeling like I belonged. Yeah. I guess, if that makes sense. Did that push you to, like, just go hang out in parks and stuff? Or did it make you feel like... Just like, oh, I don't know where to go right now. (laughs) (laughs) Um... I think it pushed me to reach out to people and and invite them to go places with me and because I am such a hospitable person like taking care of people is my greatest passion Mm -hmm. and hospitality looked different in van life Mm -hmm. Um, and I would I would be like, let's go to Green Lake and have a picnic. Like, I'll bring cheese and crackers kind of thing. Or let's go to Golden Gardens and have some wine. Um, So, though that feeling of not belonging was there, um, I created spaces of community and belonging by getting a group of people together and going places instead of mm-hmm. having them to my home. I don't know oh. if that makes sense. Yeah, totally yeah. does. Or I would hang out during the day on my days off. I would hang out at Evan's living room. Sorry, Evan. That's nice. Because <laughs> no one's home. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to take a nap on this couch. Yeah. during the day on my day off. That's cool. Yeah. That was the worst part of it. Yeah. Having not a stationary home. Yeah. But... I don't know. That's good. I, I mean, it sounds like it. It's it's nice that you already had a community to rely on. Yeah, and I'm thinking about somebody who wouldn't have a community. Yeah. While they're living in their car or something, and for sure, like things that opened my eyes to the privilege that I did have while living in van, in van life was I had a lot of money to get necessary supplies to make it more comfortable in the van. Like I had a sleeping pad I had a zero degree sleeping bag I had a jet boiler I had like a um, a rechargeable battery I could charge at work mm-hmm. and I could charge my phone like I had enough money for gas so I could move around in the city more I had a community of people that I could rely on like when I was sick and when I needed access to a bathroom like people opened their doors to me and were hospitable um, I had enough money to buy, to go out to eat like every single day. Um, and I had access to showers at my gym. Yeah. That's $70 a month. Like and that's you already privilege. had a good job too. To and like... I have a great job. Yeah. So there's a lot of privilege that went into my experience. And people asked me if I was homeless and I said, no, I'm not homeless because I have so many resources that Mm -hmm. makes my life still comfortable even though my home isn't stationary um and plus just like the choice that you had in it yeah it was a choice choice. yeah for sure yeah and also the privilege and people not really suspecting my car living because i mean my car does look jank but i'm a white 
young woman. Well kept. Well kept. Mm -hmm. I have nice clothes. Like people didn't really suspect me of any suspicious activity. Yeah, so if you wanted to hang out in a coffee shop or something, you wouldn't be Yeah. Scrutinized or something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And also I could keep my valuables at Evan's house. Oh. I kept my computer and my oh my computer's still there. I need that. And my camera. I kept my ukulele though. Good old Louie. 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 Yeah. That's cute. Um, would you do it again if you had a more roomy van? Yeah, I would. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. I I like that I don't have to pay. I didn't like, or I like that I didn't have to pay rent. That was really nice. <laughs> <laughs> People ask me if I saved a lot of money. I'm like, no, because I spent $1,000. No, I'm not going to say. I spent a lot of my rent on like equipment yeah and I spent a lot of money eating out and I spent a lot of money on counseling (laughs) (laughs) yeah I realized I think the worst part of van life was I it made me a lot more anxious Mm -hmm. because my work there is a lot of stimuli and just it's very chaotic and then having my home life be kind of chaotic too Mm -hmm. in terms of like not having a routine um and not having a stationary place where I can like relax and have it be a place of respite that was hard so I felt like my anxiety was a lot more during the summer okay yeah makes complete sense plus you have to be thinking about okay what's my next night gonna look like yeah. where am I gonna move the van yeah if you're tired that'd be difficult to plan yeah and like oh I need a sh- I needed to shower today but I feel too tired from work to go shower at my mm. gym but you couldn't shower at work I could yeah oh, okay I just would have to remember to bring my supplies like yeah. my chacos and my sh- my um shampoo and my towel oh yeah yeah so I feel a lot happier now which again is privilege as well like I can take a very active role in taking care of my mental health. Um, sorry, my brain is no, going away. It really shows like the investment of having a home yeah. and how worth it it is. Mm-hmm. Like it's worth it to put the money into it to create something like safe and a sanctuary for yourself and others. Like it's not a small thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. Um, that's really nice, because I feel like you, it seemed like, for a bit there, um, I don't know, the question of, like, where to live was a big one for you, just, like... Where to park? Or just, like, where to, like, because you were in an apartment, and then later you were in your van, and now you're here. Yeah. And I just remember you were always kind of hoping to find something really, like, affordable. Yeah. That was good for the budget. Mm-hmm. But... At least for me, I've been, like, thinking through a lot lately about... Because, like, sometimes I feel guilty, like, buying things for my space. Mm -hmm. Like, I like to have little things around. Like, I just bought a new rug. Um, But I've been thinking, like, money is a resource which we use to trade and barter with for goods. (laughs) And some goods are better than others. And I can use my money responsibly to create something beautiful for myself. It's another act of creative power that can isn't everything but it does provide me with a sense of like 
beauty and fulfillment to do that. And that's mm. not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. Yeah. yeah and so that's kind of what I'm learning about, like, those expenditures, which, sure, they're privileged, but they can be worth it. Mm-hmm. If they're, like, I don't know, taking it of, with perspective. Yeah. Hey, that's really good perspective to have. Yeah, because I, sometimes being minimal, I feel guilty buying things. Like, I spent probably $100 at Goodwill <laughs> the past month really getting dishes because I got rid of everything. But yeah. then I kept having people over. I'm like, wow, I need more dishes so I can mm-hmm. serve people. And, like, even though it does add more clutter to my space, it adds joy to my life in yes. being able to provide mm-hmm. or being able to give back to others. And it doesn't yeah. even need to be – you don't even need to give – back to others it's just it brings you happiness yeah like these pillows I've had these pillows for two years and I had white coverings over them but I was looking on Ikea and I was like I really like this color were they neat no but this pop of color brings me joy yeah and that's okay <laughs> I actually was thinking about that because I feel like you taught me like it was cool to see how you were always like I don't know, that question of, like, does the spark jewelry or does it not? I feel like you really automatically Marie do that. Kondo, I asked that before you did. Yeah, you, you do. <laughs> and so when I've been getting new things, I've been thinking, like, does this bring me joy? Okay, it does. It does, like, add some beauty to my life. And, like, that's okay. And I'm going to buy it for myself. Yeah. Like, I'm going to be responsible with it. But I don't know. I think it's exciting to, like, yeah. create in that way. Yeah. And be more intentional in the things you buy. Yeah. Instead of being impulsive and like, oh, this is, like, I need that or I want that. Like, having a little bit more reflection in the process of consuming. And I don't think consumption is a bad thing if it brings quality and joy to your life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that this is an important piece in the house. Isn't it so cute? It is. And also this dress. Like, this dress I saw in a boutique. It's really cute. Thank you. And I bought it while I was in the van, and it was quite expensive. But <laughs> you wear it all the time. It's more $100. I wear it all the time. I have two dresses, and this dress I saw in the window. I tried it on, and the next two days later, I was still thinking about the dress. And I was like, okay, if I'm still thinking about this dress. I really love the color. Yeah. It makes me feel... Like, young and, like, carefree. It makes me feel just me. And then I went back and bought it. And it was an expensive dress, but it was an investment in making me feel the best me that I can be kind of thing. I think your belongings help, um... I don't know, your belongings and your environment influence your mood. It's true. And you want to be mindful in what you add to your space. And if that space, if that item brings you joy, then yeah, it's a good investment. Mm-hmm. I feel like we're talking about the same thing. But yes, to, <laughs> to establish yeah. the point. So I had this conversation with Josephine Vermilia. 
Josephine is a zero waste consultant, YouTuber, artist. Um, she is a traveler and certainly a wanderlust gal who um, holds multiple passports and wears quite a few hats in her life. Um, coming from a family who has background in sustainability work, Josephine is a freelance plastic consultant for multiple institutions. She has worked at the IUCN headquarters in Switzerland. Um, she also runs a YouTube channel focused on zero waste as well as her own experiences personally. Um, she is an artist that, um, and she's producing beautiful stickers, which you'll hear her talk about. She has been the chosen influencer for the Natural History Museum's annual science lecture. Um, and she is a graduate of the School of London, School of Fashion in London. Um, she has a beautiful website where you can learn about her work in conservation. And she has a guide to sustainable fashion brands and zero waste brands, which has really helped me to learn about how I might be more mindful of the things that um, I'm buying and kind of direct some of my actions about um, using my resources wisely to cut down on my plastic waste. She's also just a lovely person who I feel is like such a kindred spirit to me. And I think that this episode was just really super fun to record. Um, she's based in London and so this was the first episode, actually, where I was testing out using an online interface to record with somebody across the world. And unfortunately, my side of the audio is just completely trashed with some odd crackling sound. So that is why you will only be hearing Josephine speak for most of this. And I will be interluding with questions that will um, give you a bit of context into what she's talking about. But I think that um, I think you'll love what she has to say. So Josephine, she starts by telling me a bit about where she's from, and she's going to share some of her story. If you find yourself with more garbage than you know what to do with, it might be time to consider composting. <laughs> Well, thanks so much for having me on here. Um, this is exciting. So I guess um, my story, wow. Uh, yeah, um, I guess sort of like in a nutshell, um, uh, I was born in Switzerland. Um, my mother's English and my father's American. Um, so I have three passports and um, I was brought up in Switzerland and um I I was schooled there essentially and then I when I was um 16 I decided I wanted to go uh finish my last two years of um high school at boarding school in the UK so I'm the only only girl in that entire boarding school that sent herself there um but yeah no uh that was really fun because I was always I've always been very interested in art and I already knew from that age that um the the type of studies that are carried out in Switzerland with the international baccalaureate aren't they don't favor the arts very highly and I knew that I wanted to study art um uh, like more than just essentially it splits you up into six subjects and so one of them could be art whereas a levels favor 
they give you three subjects that you study in your final two years. So that way I get like one third of my time I can put towards art as opposed to one sixth of my time. Um, so yeah, so anyway, I, I did that. And then, um, yeah, so I love watercolor. And um, at that point, I still have quite a few paintings from that short two year period. Um, but I actually, my final piece was a seven foot by seven foot painting. Uh, a collation of different paintings actually um uh so like just very big art um and that was done some of them were watercolor others were acrylic um but yeah so uh, painting was kind of was my main medium for a while but I've now currently like spoiler alert I'm like <laughs> nowadays I'm a lot more into like graphic art and painting still a big part of my practice but um that was how I started. <laughs> um, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, I guess then, then I graduated from high school and, um, I decided to go for, a, to have a gap year cause I didn't know what I wanted to go study. Um, I actually had applied to a bunch of different art schools straight out of high school. Um, cause I felt a lot of pressure to do so through my uh, school and just like social social settings everybody was just going straight to university but I didn't I don't think I was really I don't think I wanted to go to university immediately because I didn't know exactly what I wanted to study um but yeah so then I uh, I just um I got into like Cambridge Arts here in the UK which was really exciting and uh Skidmore and Babson in the States and then like a like maybe two or three other like British so I kind of got into some American universities some British universities and um all to for like different things <laughs> um and then I was sort of like well this is silly I'm like why am I you know I, I'm I don't know if I, I I can't like commit to like one of these because I don't even know what I want to do so I declined all my offers and decided to take a gap year and try out different things and then um yeah I kind of got into fashion for a bit and so I was here in London I actually started working before I went to university so I was working at um the Ralph Lauren headquarters here in London um in their showroom which was very exciting so I got to work with like a lot of like celebrities and stuff like that and there was it's a high adrenaline kind of like position and so then I think I fell in love with fashion through that um, and then, so I studied at the Condé Nast College here for a 10 week course. And then I applied to the London College of Fashion and, um, I got to, I got in for that, um, which was like huge for me cause I hadn't even done a foundation year, which is what you usually need here in the UK. And then, yeah, so then I did, um, three years of university at the London College of Fashion studying PR and communications. Um, and it was very exciting, um, worked with lots of different types of brands and I found it very engaging. And then, um, but all the while, even in my gap year, even at the start, um, it's kind of funny cause I always forget to bring it up in the story, but, um, I, I've just kind of always had my finger in the nature conservation pie, if that makes sense. Um, because my family works, has their own foundation and they work in it. So, um, even as far back as when I was in like, um, you know, high school, I was, uh, very interested in ocean conservation, the oceans and, 
Um, specifically, I think like uh, there's some summers where I'd like work at the IUCN, which is the International Union for the Conservation of Nature in Switzerland, um, which if you don't know, I kind of dub them as the UN of um, nature conservation. So they actually found WWF, which I'm sure any everyone's heard of. Um, and uh, so their WWF is a lot more the forward facing part of the IUCN. The IUCN is actual um, they're a lot more, um, they're not outward facing. They're not focused on branding or advertising themselves because they're busy. They create like the red endangered species list and stuff. Um, so anyway, and naturally that kind of just fed its way into my degree. And so my whole degree, I focused on sustainable fashion and, um, you know, uh, my thesis was titled, uh, sustainability isn't sexy. <laughs> I, in my thesis, I analyzed basically why, um, you know, just why sustainability is having such a hard time in the fashion industry and just the enhancers and barriers um, towards uh, that, that enhancers and barriers towards sustainable fashion vis a vis communication methods. So, for example, um, I don't know, there's a lot of greenwashing that goes on in fashion and in all ecological project products, actually. Um, and so, yeah, there's, there's a lot of wariness around the whole sustainability discussion and movement, um, in general, just because nobody knows who's lying and who isn't. And so that's just one of the tensions I touch upon in my thesis work. Um, and yeah, so then I, I graduated last year and yeah, and throughout the whole time, I've just been doing a lot of, um, you know, zero waste stuff, um, environmental conservation stuff, um, related, which includes my YouTube channel, which I started up, um, in that gap year I was telling you about before I went to university and, um, yeah, and, and make videos about the zero waste movement, how to go zero waste, how to cut plastic out of your life. Um, I've tried to address the, um, enhance well I'm not sorry not enhancers and barriers scratch that I've tried to research um sorry I'm getting all my things mixed up um I've tried to research the best um zero waste products um that I use in my life and can um you know attest to because I've tried them and I use them myself uh on a daily basis and so um yeah I talk about those on my channel so that way hopefully I can cut out some of the disposable time um, that one would need to go zero waste, um, by watching my videos. That way you can inform yourself and be like, oh, okay. Yeah. Those, those seem like a good idea. Um, yeah. To help you go zero waste. <laughs> I first discovered Josephine Vermilia through her YouTube. My college roommate who, yes, is Marlena, who's featured at the beginning of this episode, first kind of inspired me to consider cutting down on my plastic waste and trying to be more minimal. Um, and as we started to learn a bit together about going zero waste, we discovered Josephine's video or her videos. Um, one where she describes simple changes that she's made to cut down plastic in her life with some easy changes. Um, and I found her videos to be very relatable, um, really humble and easy to watch. They weren't intimidating, whereas I feel like 
some of the YouTube out there can be just really intimidating about what kind of person one must be to be minimal or to be vegan or to be zero waste and all of this. Uh, but she just gives some like really practical things that one could do. Um, and she also has some episodes which chronicle some vulnerabilities in her life, which I was just also really encouraged by her honesty in. Well, that's so wonderful. I think that definitely, um, I think that there's a lot of moments that enter the zeitgeist that require certain, like, um, type of person to really, really get into. Like, I have some friends that are, like, I don't know, like, super, super into, uh, like, minimalism. And so, like, they, like, you know, like, cut down, like, their, their whole house and everything, which, I mean, minimalism and zero waste go very hand in hand. Um, but they're like very like, um, intense about it. And it's very obvious, I think also as well. When I think of my really hardcore minimalist friends, um, so a, lot, a lot of them are Scandinavian actually, and they do a really good, they, they do it beautifully. Like my gosh. Um, uh, but yeah, they, they like also have this kind of like look to them. That's very like London and very like, you're like, oh yeah, I can see how that like all works together. But me, like, I don't think I could ever be minimalist. <laughs> And but I think that what's nice, or at least what I hope, is that like the zero waste, um, the zero, the kind of like zero waste, at least that like I've presented, which is like my own, is this kind of like ad hoc pulled together, like you know, some like a lot of the time I like it's not like everything like matches color, it's not like it's beautifully aesthetically pleasing, but it's just like functional. It's just like oh yeah, this kind of works. Um, and so I'm glad that you can find it relatable. Um, and I, and, you know, identify it in your own life and be like, oh yeah, I, you know, I could probably throw in one or two of those, you know, crazy colored beeswax wraps or, um, bamboo cutlery and make it work with my look. I then asked Josephine about what her life looks now after graduating. She is a zero waste consultant and doing so much more than that. Um, college here in London, here in the UK, actually, especially if you're inside a city, is very geared towards people having like full-time jobs or like part-time jobs whilst you're studying. And so I only had class two days a week and then the rest of the studies were expected to be done within our own time within the rest of the week. And so I've already kind of, kind of just sort of very weird, but yeah, I guess it's not like I had like, um, much like in America, you might have like dorms or like living with people or you might have like team spirit or maybe you're part of like a sorority or like a baking club or something. We had none of that. You just go in, you have class and then you leave and then study in your own time, uh, which is kind of sad. But also like, you know, I'm still friends with all the girls that I went to university with and like, um, you know, I had such a full life already in the sense that I was already working here at the YouTube space. Um, so yeah, in that time, um, whilst I was at university and what my life looks like now is, um, so I do various, um, uh, amount of sort of like ad hoc kind of things. So I suppose, um, one of the sort of jobs that I've sort of manifested out of my YouTube channel is the role of a plastic consultant, and so um, what that means is that I um, actually consult large institutions in making the transition to go single-use plastic-free. 
um, which I think is really impactful considering, yeah, it really makes me so excited and happy to talk about. I don't know if that comes across, but I'm like, ah, (laughs) but I got to like consult like um, the Natural History Museum here in London, um, as well as Kew Gardens, which is like this beautiful, very, very frequented, um, like it's the Royal Gardens here and many people go. And um, yeah, both of those institutions made the decision to go single-use plastic-free in order to honor the nature within which they represent um, and to like respect the environment. And um, it was, it's like a big, it's a big process because it's not as if those people are, that those teams, those organizations are like geared towards like going single-use plastic-free. They don't have the like background knowledge of like, okay, what is sustainable and what isn't sustainable. And so I'm very, um, glad that I was able to come on as sort of like an ad adverse like a, I could come and advise them basically um uh, by doing an audit of what plastic they have already on their premise and then phase one of how to phase it out phase two you know choosing what's what we're going to use to replace the bottles of water that they sell for example and then um yeah then like slowly educating people as well so phase three is like education so they can tell their museum goers that like oh instead of going to buy a bottle of water we now sell um cans they sell aluminium cans of water and uh we have installed water fountains all around the museum and so um yeah the crazy part about that is that uh, these choices that I made for myself originally have now been able to be um increased like tenfold by the millions like there's I, I can't remember the number off the top of my head but there's a, a few million people who go to the natural history museum here in london every year and i think that i even slightly have an impact on the um impact that they have on the environment by just visiting the museum and going to the cafe for lunch um or you know just strolling through the museum or going through the gift shop um those are all things that it means a lot to me. It's very exciting. <laughs> yeah. Josephine's work as a zero waste consultant, especially working with the London Natural History Museum, has definitely made me think, how could I make changes in my workplace being a nurse? Could I approach my company, my hospital, my unit, um, even my household here in Seattle with simple changes that could help reduce plastic waste? Um, certainly not everybody has the opportunity to think about such things, but I guess working as a nurse, I see so much disposal of plastic products all the time, and it's just kind of, um, jarring to see how much plastic waste I go through on a day-to-day basis. She has inspired me to consider what could I do? to approach my, my um, hospital? Um, what could I say? What sort of things should I be looking out for? And um, her work has definitely encouraged me to consider this. Um, well, actually, speaking about nurses, um, I have a good friend of mine that I've made through the YouTube space called Ed Hope, and he's a really funny YouTuber. And he makes these really great videos about, like, a real doctor analyzes... Um, you know, Dr. Strange and like, (laughs) what would a real doctor do? Yeah, he makes his really good videos. Um, But anyway, uh, I remember having a conversation with him very similar to what you're saying, Claire, about how, I mean, he gets, he also as well has the liberty to sort of make some changes within like his ward. And 
um i've like i've had this conversation now i think about like six or seven times with different medical like professionals working in the medicine profession and and saying that there's like there's so much waste um unnecessary waste um and um how we can go about that and how about you can go about reducing um plastic within the medical profession but also knowing um my youtube partner alexis what in who you see in my videos she um once put it in a very good way and what should any of the talks that she does even in her her ted talk um she says and mentions um plastic is an incredible invention which it really is like it's it saves lives it um helps us in health and makes food last longer and it's and that's why it's around that's where there's so much of it because it is such an incredible material but it has its you know downsides in it and its harms and we're starting to understand a lot more about how how so much of it around us is actually starting to affect our health directly just from exposure to it and so with all of that in consideration um you know it's about everything in moderation and so um, I think that, uh, yeah, I think, you know, for example, my friend Ed, he was explaining to me that like when a doctor or, uh, sorry, or a nurse goes to uh, draw blood, you have to bring like two, um, packets of syringes. Um, and then if you draw blood and then it doesn't work out and you need to open a new packet and draw blood again, and you've got a second one right next to you to use. Um, but if, nothing ends up happening at all you you throw away both of them even though they're totally untouched totally unopened completely sanitary and uh i'm not i do not have a degree in medicine so take all of this with the biggest grain of salt but um surely i don't know surely there's a way to like you know not create waste in such a way and fine maybe if that's already too big of a a, a bear to tackle maybe you know just changing the cups inside hospitals to paper or you know just I, I don't know I feel, I feel like there's there's still there's still steps to be made and I know a lot of people are quite defensive about like the medicine industry and they're like oh well no don't touch it like it's it's all for health and safety and I'm like understood but I feel like there are some things that you know plastic cup to paper one it's the little steps um I would I would love for there to be some serious plastic reduction inside the um, medical professions in in any capacity that is you know acceptable I, I guess for starters I mean I think there's some really basic things that we can change but then yeah I think definitely maybe going into the future um, I do think that it's it's something that's important to be considered for people's health and um, again I mean I'll, I have to little tiny plug but um, yeah we we've also just uh, released from the Gallifrey Foundation which is my parents' foundation a paper um, which is um, on plastic and its effects on our health and uh, it kind of covers all of that yeah it's um, about how um, BPAs and BPSs and all the fun stuff that you find in various types of plastics act as endocrine disruptors and um, they're doing things such as reducing men's sperm count and uh, you know the, a whole bunch of really sort of like key issues that we're seeing in um, you know the medical world um, is 
very much so starting to be related towards plastic. Um, but we we actually also have like a cute little infographic, which breaks it breaks down the whole paper in case you don't want to read a whole scientific paper. Um, it's like a four part infographic um, that just highlights everything that's sort of covered inside the paper. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's an interesting conversation. It's definitely um, zero waste is uh, hopefully going to be a little bit more. Um, I don't know. I, I think it's more important than I think that many of us thought previously. It's not just about the environment anymore. It's it's also about us and our health. So, um, yeah. But also plastic's still a great product. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's about understanding it and understanding how to use it in a safe and good way. So, yeah. I was also curious about Josephine's life in general. How does it seem like she manages to balance being an adventurous gal, traveling, engaging a zero-waste lifestyle, being a student, working, um, and being an artist? As a nurse with a heart to serve practically, and also entertaining artistic passions in my life, such as this podcast, I was really interested in how she balances this, and quite connected with the way that she appears to feel compelled by some kind of unique um, embedded purpose in all of that. Being in a lot of different places and meeting people in person is what really can move the needle, if that makes sense, and like change perspectives. And so I, I find that's been very impactful in my life. Um, and then also just in terms of like traveling, um, my family and I, again, I'm very, very fortunate. Um, we offset our carbon footprint um, basically by... There's various different ways that you can do this. There's charities that you can donate to. Um, but basically, we have like a carbon negative footprint in the sense that we, forever, for every flight that we take, we calculate how much um, carbon that emits and then donate to places that will then plant trees or change factories in rural places to, um, uh, you know, to make them carbon neutral. And so to try and offset the impact that we have um, through all of our flight flights and travel. Um, and so it's, I mean, honestly, <laughs> this is very morbid, but I do find I, I have a lot of conversations at dinner parties and stuff and people will be like, well, you know, the iPhone that you're using isn't sustainable. And, you know, the places you go to, it's all unsustainable. I'm like, well, I'm just living is unsustainable. <laughs> but if you're, if I can, you know, live, I guess, to like my purpose, which in my case is just, you know, talking about environmentalism and trying to help people reduce their waste in any way that I can and using those tools like my iPhone to post YouTube videos, which reach like half a million people, which is very exciting. Um, uh, I think that a lot of the time the impact outweighs the um, effect of having the phone or traveling to the place, if that makes sense. Um, so yeah, I mean, balance, coming back to your question, balance, I mean, how can I find balance in my life between, um, you know, all this travel I do, my environmentalism, my art and creativity, um, it's tricky, it's not easy, um, yeah, it's, it's, I do, I, I have wear a lot of hats, and I feel like my whole personality is very split in many different ways, um, a lot of my creativity and my 
art. And so I also, I run an Etsy where I sell little stickers and it's like this tiny little slide. Yeah, I have stickers randomly. Um, it says, thank you so much. I have this tiny freaking very random side hustle of just like being an Etsy owner as well. Um, but I'm so passionate about it. My gosh, I was just looking at like my stats today and I think I've like, I'm still not negatively buoyant. Like I've still like invested more money in like making my stickers than I have earning on them. But but I've made so many sales and like I've I've sold so many to so many of my friends and it, it just makes it it fills like my heart. I feel so wholesome and I'm going it's going very, very well and like I'm I couldn't have asked for like a, a better side hustle, I guess. But like, you know, so for example, that tiny little um uh like thing that I also have going on in my life it like feeds my community my like YouTube community so it makes me like a lot some of my a lot of my followers on YouTube are like they follow me on Instagram and they'll be like oh I, I want this sticker or oh you should make this one into a sticker and so I, I, I listen I bounce off and I feed from that community and then um you know and so then I've got that going and then I've got like my whole Instagram as well which is all very much like oh you should make this YouTube video you should you should do this you should do that so I have this like sort of like online community that feeds my creativity and I think once I have this like creative output yeah I think once I have this like creative output much like you have your podcast and and are working yours which is incredible by the way I take my hat off to you that is insane um the fact that you managed to balance that in your own life um but uh I think yeah definitely maybe you're a similar similar type of person to me that I feel like I need to be juggling things to get this like beautiful cross-pollination between the different these like different passions that I have to like fuel them if that makes sense I'm like yes like I, I couldn't I couldn't make YouTube videos if I didn't have my Etsy and I couldn't like if I wasn't making art and I couldn't make art if I didn't have a community to like get ideas from and get inspired from and so it's just this like one big roundabout of like you know ideas and passions that all kind of merge into one um so it does make it leave it leaves me feeling quite fragmented and sometimes a little burnt out but I couldn't imagine it any other way if any, if you, Claire, or anybody listening ever gets a chance to go to a climate strike, they're so much fun because the creativity that goes into these signs just is incredible. Like, they're so hilarious. Like, there are so many funny ones there. I think that, like, the 80, I don't know if this is just, like, the the, the British um, crowd, but, like, everyone really brought their A-game to their puns and dad jokes and memes and me and my friends were in stitches like we all just showed up and I think that some of my friends just showed up because I was posting how many funny different um signs there were and I got friends who I never thought would even be interested in getting involved into a climate march come join me um just through my like the, I had two or three different friends who messaged me and were like are you still at the climate march can I come join you I was like oh heck yeah come on over and um so yeah just the energy there was like riveting it was so exciting like everybody was really jazzed up super passionate the numbers were huge and um it was so many young people as well I'm 23 years old and um I was like there's so so many <laughs> much there's so many young people there like younger than me and I think I'm young um and uh that was that was really inspiring because I think that I've grown up, especially on YouTube and in my life, just being the youth, I guess, and um, 
this march was a really beautiful uh, reminder um, that there are a lot more people who <laughs> think like I do and a lot more people who are passionately fighting for the environment like I do. And um, uh, there's this huge new wave of force and uh, also getting to see the whole climate movement like visualized like that. It was very exciting. It was very, very exciting. It was a big dose of hope. Okay. And we're back. <laughs> it was dramatic piano music. Interlude. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I would like to thank Ginger, my black cat, for um, that little pause. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I thought you were going to so, say for the piano intro, and I was like, wow, piano cat. Oh, yes. Better step up. I feel, like that, I feel like that music actually does kind of fit her. <laughs> <laughs> She's a dramatic little queen. Staring out the window on a rainy day, like, why? <laughs> yeah. Hello, darkness. Yes. <laughs> how is the weather over there? Or how was it? It today is in rainy and dreary. It is typical. Okay, London. I couldn't have asked it, it for anything like more London than today's weather. It is. It is rainy, oh. but you know it's nice. I don't know. I'm snuggled up, got a cup of tea. Um, it's cozy. It's very cozy. What kind of tea are you drinking? I'm right now drinking a, a ginger and lemongrass tea. Oh, sounds very mm. relaxing. It's my favorite. Yes. <laughs> Okay. What about you? What's the weather like? So, oh well, it's actually pretty similar. It wasn't very. It wasn't raining this morning, but very overcast. We got mm. into like, um, definitely fall weather now, mm. and I love fall. So pretty cold. Is fall mm. your favorite season? I I'm just no summer is my favorite season because I'm a July baby. Okay. But just wow. Me too. The, yeah, are you July baby? I'm July. When is your? When are you? Wait, when is your? 28? Oh my gosh, Josephine. No, I'm the 29th. Shut up, Claire. No But way. I'm also 23, which That's is so crazy. funny. <laughs> wow. We are really like soul sisters. This is insane. We are. Oh my gosh, Fellow we should Leos. get married. Yeah. Leos. That's insane. <laughs> That's crazy. Oh, that's wonderful. No wonder we get along it so is. well. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> but fall has its charms too like i just can't deny that it makes me feel really cozy to drink tea oh, and coffee and just sure. read inside yeah. <laughs> i think it kind of like at the end of summer you're like party and at the end of summer you're like oh my gosh do i really have to go outside for another sunny day you're like when when can when does the rain start so i can start reading these books i've been stacking up for <laughs> i don't know it's just like it falls a perfect excuse for me to like crawl into myself and my house and just like you know, start new projects. Thinking about Josephine, I wondered what her life looks like now. How does she fit a zero waste into her lifestyle? Um, how does she engage this idea of minimalism and cutting down waste? I guess as someone who feels a bit flighty and absent-minded sometimes, I really appreciated her steadfastness in her endeavor, her commitment, and her desire to be consistent and to continue to choose to be zero waste. This alone was inspiring to me. 
I wanted to know about the difficulties of living zero waste and how she did this for herself. Um, I even wondered about what zero waste might look like for busy people, for people who have limited access to a lot of resources, for busy moms or people who feel emotionally kind of burnt out. Um, how might they still manage to cut down on their plastic waste or decrease their carbon footprint? Yeah, I think I definitely have the advantage of time over a lot of people in the sense that I was kind of, I like to think at least I was at this sort of like relatively early on in the game. I mean, I know that there are zero waste movements that go back to like the 70s. And so I don't claim to be that much of an OG, but at least this most recent wave of zero waste that kind of came in at the beginnings of it. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just, I do think that, um, when I started, I do remember going quite ham and spending a lot of money on, on, on things. And I, I think I was thinking like, I just, I, I want to like make sure that I have all the zero waste things. And, um, I don't suppose I was like extremist per se, but I guess that there's a lot of value to be had in products that are may not be zero waste, but can be repurposed in a zero waste fashion. And um, I think throughout the years that I've been zero waste, I've just more and more as I've gotten older, have come to appreciate how much zero waste is a mentality and a lifestyle more than like, a ticked box kind of like level one reaches, right? It's not like you evolve like a Pokemon into suddenly becoming zero waste. <laughs> it's like, it's like a journey, right? And you know, I, I have days just like everybody else where I'm like, oh my God, I just can't, you know, like I say three times to different people like, oh no, I'm okay without a straw. And it's still, I still get a straw. And I'm like, you know, it's just, you, you're a bit frustrated, but then also it's sort of like, it's the tenacity to like still come at it with compassion and grace and, you know, um, not frustration and, and understanding that it's so much about the systems that we live in as a whole, as well as the individual. And that, you know, we're only going to really cut down on plastic if it comes from top down and bottom up. And therefore the best thing that we can do as individuals is just very much just, you know, in that example, for example, you know, tr it's treat the barista with, you know, kindness and, and be like, oh, you know, thank you so much for bringing your straw, but I actually uh, asked for no straw or, or bringing a straw yourself that you can hold up to them as a visual reminder because they do this day in and day out for, you know, very little pay often. And, you know, it's not, it's not in their brain capacity for that day to like, remember if you asked for no straw or not. And, you know, they do this a thousand times. So how, how are they going to remember your time not to bring you a straw? And so it's up to you as the individual to like come with that extra compassion and that extra, um, you know, love and light and peace and just, you know, bring a visual reminder maybe, or just a smile might, you know, maybe help them remember next time. And, Maybe even, you know, I, I strike up tiny little mini conversations with people who work in restaurants all over the world <laughs> and they'll be like, oh yeah, no straw. Awesome. Like give me two thumbs up. And like that energy is like what keeps me going. So I think, um, I think, yeah, definitely over time it's been just sort of like keep putting love out there into the world and come at it from 
a positive like space and um we'll we'll get there (laughs) um my life zero waste is very very different in the different places that I am in the world and so that's just like yeah I guess I, I suppose my life is like split over like three different countries anyway but Um, when I'm in Switzerland is where I'm very happy and I feel very peaceful because I have the most control over my plastic intake, um, of any capacity. And so there, I know that like I can go to the farmer's market and I can get everything plastic free. And I know that I have my own compost inside my own garden, um, that I can regulate and I can compost things on my own terms. And, you know, like I have, there's, there's like, if you imagine, I don't know, like the zero waste motherboard, I have like all the buttons there. I could do, I can do whatever I want here in London though, just being in a city, which is where I think zero waste is becomes even more important of a subject is like things aren't naturally farm life, right? Like I do live out in the countryside in Switzerland. And so obviously, right, even farmers of all ilks, all countries and nations are going to be pretty more zero waste than people inside cities because they're just not going to need, I don't know, their meat packaged inside a plastic clamshell thing um, uh, because they're farmers and they will probably kill and eat their cow when they want it. And that's just how farm life is. And, you know, um, that's, I don't know, just life goes on in a lower plastic intake way. Whereas in the city here in London, It's a lot more difficult. I have to be a lot craftier and there's a lot of like moving targets that change, right? So like London's a very fast paced city. It's a very forward moving city as well. Um, Very inspiring to see places um, like the Natural History Museum or grocery stores start to like slowly cut down on the plastic that they put on their products. And there's a lot of places that are going plastic free. Um, Super inspiring to see. Uh, but you know, it is still a city and right. So, so there's no, no one's going to be growing vegetables in a garden here because it's a city. And so everything's going to have to be brought in and wrapped in plastic because, um, of that's just the nature of a city. So there are urban farms, but they're very hard to find one. And two, the, there's, we do have a bit of a pollution problem here much like any other city. And when that comes down and settles on earth and food, sometimes that can translate into the produce that's made. Um, So with that in mind, uh, it is, you can still do it. You can still eat it. Um, You know, whether that's more or less harmful than the pesticides that are used to, um, I don't know, maintain the shelf life of the vegetables that are put inside very, um, low priced markets here. I don't know, uh, the pros and cons of, but, um, I, there is a, I go to a a farmer's market, um, which is pretty near my house. Like it's a a little short walk away. It's near my old university. And that, that produce is brought in from outside of London. Like it's like brought, like someone like trucks come in with a, in vans and they just put them all out basically just like a farmer's market. And so that's, my mainstay for fruit and veg um in terms of yeah in terms of like products um it is difficult to find 
like there isn't really bulk stores here per se. There's a Whole Foods. This is the other thing. I think a lot of people think that like, oh, I need a zero waste store to like be zero waste here in the city. But like 101 stores here have what you need. You just might not have a one-stop shop for everything. So I know for a fact that I can go to um, just like my local grocery store and I can buy olive oil in a glass bottle that is fully recyclable um, with a aluminum top. And although I don't have anybody anywhere near me actually that sells like bulk olive oil, the bottle, the glass bottle I get is so big that it can last me for a certain amount of time. And so while that's less sustainable than in Switzerland, where I go to the bulk store and I can fill up my bottle in with olive oil just like there and I just have this one glass bottle that won't have to be produced again I also know having visited here in London actually uh, two different recycling plants that all of our trash goes to here in London um, I see the way that they can break down and recycle glass and so it's still not as good as it is in Switzerland but I don't have access to bulk olive oil taps here in London. So I don't know. It's these, um, to answer your question in a more general way, I think that it's more of like a critical way of thinking and a kind of skill that you bring with yourself um, when you go out into the world to bring stuff home, right? Like you got to go out and you've got to be nifty and you got to be like, okay, well, I can go to Whole Foods and I they sell grain, grain, um, like rice inside like grain. So I can bring my own container there and like take that home and um, not use plastic and then, I don't know, figure out the next step in a completely different lens and be like, all right, now I need peppers. I'm going to go to XYZ. So yeah, I don't know. I think you just got to be more crafty. Um, traveling, funnily enough, I find like the easiest place to be zero waste. Because I can just say like no to most everything. And then the rest of the time, I guess, like, I don't know for you, but like when I'm on, on holiday or something, like I'll be eating at restaurants or I can find places where I don't have to, I don't need to carry around. I, I'm always carrying with me a water bottle anyway in my backpack and all my cutlery. And, you know, I, I don't know. I find traveling pretty easy to say no to, to plastic too. I think that there are so many stories that I would love to share and tell at some point, like on my YouTube channel, of just like specific friends that I've had for years who have just been very, um, it's just beautiful. I mean, it's like, I don't, I don't expect any of my friends to change the way that they live just because of my choices. And so the amount of times the most common thing I get is people being like, I don't know, picking up a Coke bottle or something and being like, sorry, Josephine. And I'm like, you don't have to apologize to me. Like, I'm not the police. Don't worry. I'm not here to like come out and get you. These are just choices that I make inside my life. And I think that what's so beautiful is these like friendships that I've had over years um, where it's just not a part of our conversation. And I don't bring it up unless they ask me about it um, and have genuine questions. And I'll answer them with as much um, excitement and passion that I have for the subject, right? But I... I I, I'm I'm reluctant to share it with them unless prompted because I know that it's not a part of their lifestyle and it's something that, you know, maybe they haven't broached with me for a reason. And so once they do come to me to broach that and have that conversation, um, it's just beautiful because like um, 
I can then sort of like speak to them like I speak to my audience online and and they're receptive and I think that's the key thing is like definitely with my family and my friendships I just want to make sure that if ever I'm going to talk about zero waste in any capacity I want to make sure that the person's being receptive on the other end I don't want to talk about it in like you know a spat or in a you know like oh well you're zero waste and blah 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 like that's that's not the time to like bring it up I just I want people to be like open to hearing what I'm saying just like I hope that I'm open to hearing what they have to say about their subjects or passions and um so yeah I think that yeah over the years it's been beautiful just watching wordlessly so many of my friends make choices and transitions that are similar to my own due to my zero waste lifestyle so um you know like I I saw a friend the other day and she had like this exact same swell bottle as me or I have another friend who has the same um you know, she went and got things underwear and she's like, oh yeah, I've like changed to these now. And I'm like, oh, cute. I was like, did you use my code? I have a code, zero waste, where you get, you know, a certain amount of money off. And they're like, oh, I didn't know that. And I'm like, yeah. And so like, you know, I can actually start to like use them in my like real friendships like I would online. And that's very exciting. Um, So yeah, I don't know. If zero waste options are more available in certain cities, would you want to move to somewhere that has a lot of accessible zero waste options? Although zero waste is a very large part of my life, I don't think I would uproot from, um, you know, like London, for example. I, I, my, my grandmother lives here. So many of my friends live here. And this is where my life is taking me. But I don't think I would choose a place based on, I don't think I'd move my whole life based on the zero waste movement. I think that that's something that we all need to work into our own lives in whatever capacity we can. So I think that, um, heavy plug, watch my video. <laughs> that's, I mean, top 10 tips to go is zero waste. No, but it's so true though. I just, oh, I just want to quickly mention that like the zero waste movement is a very privileged movement and most people who are a part of it and especially talking about the YouTube space uh, platform are um, like white privileged people in in, in uh, fortunate places enough that they have a disposable income and disposable time to research um, what would be the most sustainable option in their local area, one, and two, you know, what they could afford to change to. And so I think that when I made my videos, my, what my hope was for those busying moms that you just were saying, like, if you're a single mom with three kids, I don't expect you to be like fully a hundred percent zero waste. Like nobody expects that of you, but it's about making the changes that you can inside your life with the, the, the bread and butter that you've been given. And I think that, um, yeah, I definitely, um, there's, I have, I've honestly, am so proud of so many people out there that have found a way to make these changes in their life, despite all the things that they're facing already. Um, but I think that, yeah, for me, I think my, my, my top tips would sort of be, um, the same ones that are my top 10 tips to go zero waste on my YouTube channel, which I'll sort of cover over here. But, um, yeah, just, you know, bring with you, I have one beautiful water bottle, and I carry it with me everywhere. And I, it's just great. I carry it with me when I go clubbing. I carry it with me when I go to see a movie. 
I carry it with me when I go to, you know, go in the car. And it's just like anywhere that I am, it prevents me from like when you go to the movie theater, the first thing that you want to do is you want to buy like popcorn maybe and like a drink. But if you have water with you, um, you just don't I don't feel a need to ever get any drinks. And that already cuts down so much plastic. Um, I can also ask for if I wanted just like a cup of tea. Sometimes I just ask them to pour it into my bottle, um, which is uh, insulated. So it keeps it warm for 24 hours. So I can have hot tea inside my water bottle if I wanted. Um, so yeah, just bring your own water bottle, bring your own grocery bags. Um, that one I feel, I hope is like relatively obvious. I mean, just, especially if your store only, you know, is just, yeah. I mean, if you bring your own grocery bags with your own, like little cotton bags inside that you can put, um, I don't know if everyone's grocery stores make you weigh the loose fruit and veg that's there, but definitely just bring your own like little cotton bags to like put the loose cherry tomatoes into so that way you can weigh them and then scan them without having to use a plastic bag and then on top of that bring your own big grocery bag so you can put all those groceries inside their little cotton bags into a larger cotton bag um, that you can then take home and you know just uh just just I know just try and just like work your way through it like go through your own life because you know you may not even buy cherry tomatoes that might not even be part of your life right so just analyze through your life like where am I expending do your own like little audit like I do for larger organizations is like a job just like do a little audit sit down write down where's the plastic that I'm spending in my life like where is it for me in my context because everyone's context is different and then plan your zero waste journey and be like where can I start where can I start working these things out and working in alternatives um if you are someone who has periods um periods a lot of menstruation products come with a huge packed punch of plastic um which is just totally unnecessary and i have had for years now um just periods that are totally plastic free and it is a dream i do still have the, uh, like a handful yeah it's great I do have um, a handful of tampons that I have like sometimes I'll, I'll like have them just randomly just in case anything were to happen and I don't know I just would maybe need it for some reason and I for five years I haven't needed it whatsoever because I just plan around make sure I've got all the products that I need and yeah it's great even better I have younger girls message me on my YouTube channel saying like I haven't even got my period yet but as soon as I do I'm already prepared and I have this x y and z and I'm like you're so cute and then I have all these girls messaging me as well and they're like oh I can't wait to have my period I'm like honey you're you're good don't worry you're fine you're okay without your period please it's 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 fun it's not that fun but like I'm so glad that you're so passionate about doing it zero waste before you've even had it so um yeah I think that's it's just a handful of things but um yeah there's a lot of resources that you can go to other than just my channel as well there's like a whole bunch of awesome youtubers out there that are really leading the narrative on the zero waste movement and um yeah just like top 10 tips to reduce your waste just um, yeah, find a way that works for you. When I was little, I used to always come up with all kinds of ideas that I wanted my family to try. From everything, everything from having fancy Sunday night dinners to elaborate chore systems, um, to starting a compost bin and enforcing 
proper recycling with pictures and signs up in the garbage area. I think that as somebody who is very curious and open-minded and just entertains all sorts of ideas and notions, I am kind of aware of what it's like to encounter cynics or pessimists. So I was very curious about how Josephine manages to cope with people who have perhaps a more negative idea of her lifestyle or are pessimistic about her choices. Um, well, I think that um, I feel like I have met a lot of cynics. Um, and I definitely think that there's a lot that goes on there um, in the sense that I feel like this is going to get quite personal but I do feel like a lot of cynics um who who've kind of just just sort of thought that way and that are like oh well I I can't do anything um might just be like frightened maybe not too educated on like the simple things that we can do and like simple changes that we can make and like might feel like hopeless and therefore when I meet people like that personally I try to I'm quite I like to think of myself as quite an optimistic person. And so I like to sort of like give them a rub the right way and sort of be like, well, hey, now, you know, um, Debbie Downer, like, <laughs> you know, there's there are like little things that we can do that I'm sure that you'll see have like even a tiny impact on your life. And I just try to give them a word of encouragement. Um, but then also as well, just not being too, again, it's all about striking a balance, but um, you don't want to be like, well, you know, well, you're ridiculous and you're ruining it for everyone else and blah, blah, blah. I'm like making a whole stink about it. You just want to be, it's like a gentle word of encouragement. And also as well, I think that the best, I think the best, uh, the most effective advice, at least that I found in my 23 years is the kind of advice that's like, you know, you lead a horse to water, right? You want to like bring people there and then like let them make the decision. And, you know, um, so instead of being like, well, you should do this, this and this, you'd be like, well, I found in my life that like when I do this, this and this, I feel like, wow, oh my gosh, my trash is like so like so heavily reduced or like, you know, when I recycle this, this and this, like I actually learn that you know it actually does go to xyz and is recycled or I don't know just like little things like I have even my grandmother next door who's like um <laughs> just so against everything modern at all including recycling she's like oh it's pointless totally pointless and I was like okay that's fine that's fine you, you don't have to recycle grandma it's okay and then you know I she sees me when she comes over to my place and she sees me like putting stuff into recycling thing. she's like oh what are you doing I'm like oh I'm, I'm just recycling stuff she's like oh 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 yeah okay that thing and I'm like yeah I'm like it's really simple you just put it inside the bag and or like I'm at her house or something and I'm drinking from like a tin can or something and then I'm leaving she's like oh I'll throw that away for you I'm like no I'd rather just take it home and recycle it in my place and she's like oh and then like slowly throughout the years and now suddenly she has like a little recycling bag and it's like oh because it's something that matters to me it's super cute it's something that matters to me and she can tell that it matters to me just from the way that I've like acted about it around her that now she's incorporated into her life so I think you'd be surprised with um how just gently gently living your life will inspire people around you <laughs> so something 
I was just wondering, like, what's something right now that you're finding especially cozy in your life? Mm. Um, I think at the moment I am finding... Oh, that's a really good question. Um, I think I'm finding, like, traditional autumn craft very cozy. It's, like, kind of a, a wide net, but I guess, like... I have um, Halloween's not very much a thing here in the UK, but I've bought myself a pumpkin and I'm starting to cook like pumpkin-y things. And I made a pumpkin pie earlier and baking. So I think maybe just like autumnal themed food. I'm finding very, very (laughs) cozy at the moment. So yeah. (laughs) That's perfect. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. Yeah, well, um, seriously, thank you so much for chatting with me and sharing. Thanks so much for having me. You're welcome. Um, I'm so excited that we were able to do this and Mm. just such a blessing to me. So thank you. Yeah, blessing to me as well. Thank you so much. I feel like we should have had a fire crackling the whole time we were talking. Oh, that would have been great. (laughs) <laughs> Felt so warm and lovely. Warm, yeah, wholesome. That was a wholesome talk. Like a cup of soup. Well, um, this wraps up the lovely conversation that I had with Josephine and concludes this episode about zero waste and sustainability and minimalism. I hope that something in this episode may have inspired you. Something I simply love about Josephine and Marlena is that both of them are seeking ways to live um, as themselves and live true to their unique lifestyles, sometimes when that can be difficult, um, when it requires mindfulness and patience and sort of freeing oneself from fear of judgment. I am just really inspired by that passion and commitment to sticking to what they believe in through um, their lives. And I hope that that alone might encourage you to live the life that you imagine in whatever capacity um, you're able to, and to hopefully live a simpler life that is less wasteful, like we're all trying to do here. I am so thankful for you you to listen to this podcast. I continue to have exciting upcoming ideas about episodes which are slowly in the works Um, but I just want to share with you the hoogly side of having a cat I'm so glad to have a little feline creature roaming around my house here and um, hopefully you have a little pet to cozy up with um too so (laughs) anyways friends i um send you warm hoogly vibes and peace